Whether it's dismantling the fossil fuel industry, creating a solar-powered utopia, or simply desiring to hear more birds in the sky than planes, this is Idealistically, a podcast where we discuss what we would idealistically want in an ideal world. Hello and welcome back to Idealistically. I am your host, Tomea Gregory. I am an artist and climate justice activist from the UK, hoping to help you imagine the world more radically and give you some advice on how maybe we can actually make your ideal version of the world happen. If you are a regular listener, you may have noticed there was a little bit of a delay between this episode and the last. I had a bit of a break. I visited my parents for the first time in two years because of the pandemic and traveling being a little bit more difficult. Um, but it was it was really nice. And I always have this thing where when I take a kind of purposeful break from creating content or sharing things online that when I come back, I'm always a bit more nervous. And it's nice to exist sometimes just as an ordinary human being rather than like feeling like there's a pressure to post about everything that's always happening all the time. Like it's just endless, unprecedented times. And it's nice to not feel like you have to speak about it all the time because majority of people don't <laughs> but also it's you know such a privilege to be able to have conversations with people about important stuff and to have a platform where I can raise awareness for it all and yeah I'm sure I will be back into the swimming things in no time it's just that first kind of dipping my toes back in that is always a bit nerve-wracking um but I'm back and I'm really excited for the conversations that are still to come in the season of the podcast. And yeah, I'm sending lots of restful vibes to you all and also sending warmth because ugh, autumn and winter has well and truly kicked in in the UK. And I've ordered my heat holders, my TOG 2.3 socks. I've got my blanket hoodies. I've got my hot water bottle. I am not turning those radiators on until I am freezing, okay? <laughs> Stay warm um, and get ready for a really cool conversation about something we haven't discussed before. Talking about beauty today, it's going to be interesting. I hope you enjoy. So thank you so much for joining me. Honestly, I've like, I'm really excited about this conversation because I think it is just so necessary and like we need to have more conversations like the one we're about to have. I like my guests to introduce themselves. So it'd be great to hear from you about what you do, who you are, where you're based at the moment, all that kind of stuff. Sure. My name is Jessica DeFino. I currently live in New Jersey in the United States um, on the Jersey Shore. And I am a reporter in the beauty industry. I sort of describe myself as, as an anti-product beauty reporter. Um, my reporting definitely takes like a very critical look at the industry, at beauty culture, and how we participate as individuals and what sort of the consequences of all that participation are. So yeah, my main project at, at the moment is my newsletter, The Unpublishable. Amazing. Yeah. I have been reading it for like not too, too long. I discovered your work through Venetia Lamana, who is like a sustainable fashion kind of campaigner. And I knew when she started talking about it, it's like, that sounds very me. And um, 
I think one of the reasons that I'm really interested by your work is because I've had a lot of thoughts related to like beauty culture in the past and like my own experience with it and stuff. But I've never really felt like I've never known how to kind of articulate it. And I think that's what you do a really great job of. And hopefully we'll kind of touch on more of that later on. I have a quick fire question for you before we like jump in properly. Um, and that is from Together Band who are supporting the second season of Idealistically. What UN Sustainable Development Goal aligns best with you and your work? I think definitely good health and well-being. Um, because so often what we're trying to do with beauty is to perform health and well-being, <laughs> to like look the part because so often we really don't feel the part. Um, like sleep is a really good example of this. There are so many articles in the beauty media about like how to fake looking like you got eight hours of sleep and it gives you, you know, $200 worth of skincare products and makeup products to like look like you have slept. Like it would be amazing if we could all just sleep properly and be healthy and be well and not have to fake it with unnecessary products. So that one, that one definitely feels like a fit. All right. So to get a feel for kind of where you're at, I'd love to know, like at the moment in terms of obviously we're here to kind of imagine a new world, how easy do you find it at the moment to picture kind of whether it's a utopia or just a better version of what we're living right now? Yeah, it's such a great question. Um, I was thinking about it earlier and like, I do think it's easy to imagine at least the broad strokes. And maybe that's just me being like an optimist, but I have a lot of faith in people and I, I sort of think the ideal world is one that aligns with our humanity. Like I think so many of the problems in the world right now are caused by the fact that the, the powers that be have created these systems that are in direct conflict with our humanity. You know, they are completely incompatible with the human body, the human mind, the human spirit. And so I, I don't know, I think it's easy to imagine because like the possibility for that ideal world, like really already exists within us. It's just about aligning the world we live in with like our actual bodies and minds and spirits. Are there any things that you think like make it easier for you personally? Oh, for sure. I mean, there are all sorts of layers of, of privilege. And that's sort of how I try to think about privilege is like, how, how much more do you have access to connecting to your true self and your true desires and making those things happen and like doing the things that can support you? Like, for instance, um, I talk a lot about divesting from the beauty industry and beauty standards. And within that, I know that I have a lot of privilege there and it's easy for me to do so because I am a white cisgendered woman and beauty standards by and large, like femininity and adhering to the gender ideal and whiteness are two huge beauty standards. So I have a lot of freedom to like divest from the other stuff because the baseline is built in, for instance. Um, and that's, I mean, that is a huge goal of my work is to dismantle these systems that like disadvantage people in this area and privilege me in this area and just get us back to a baseline of like being okay with ourselves as we are for everybody. Yeah, definitely. And I think also it's kind of like the privilege of like education as well. Like you say in like learning, you know, the more you learn about how bad all of these systems and stuff are for 
ourselves as individuals like the more you're again able to kind of imagine something different so again it's that element of like if you actually know how bad stuff is and you're able to kind of you know put all the puzzle pieces together then again it it is easier isn't it for sure for sure so what would you say is the first thing that comes to your mind when you start to picture your ideal world? And I'm really excited to ask you this question because I was actually listening to you on Doing It Right with Pandora Sykes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and it was a really great episode. Everyone should go listen to that. I'm sure it will, it will touch on things that we don't in this conversation. But I think you actually said like you find, you don't know what the future looks like in terms of the context of beauty. So <laughs> I'm really intrigued to see if you can think of anything. <laughs> it's so, it's really hard. Like I... I sat and I like tried to picture it and I couldn't picture like this visual thing. But the first thing that my body felt when I was like, what is the ideal world? Just feels like a big sigh of relief. Like, and I mean, I'm obviously comparing this to like beauty specifically and beauty culture because that's where my brain is at 100% of the time. But I just feel like this huge sigh of relief and like this, this feeling of just like shaking off the mask and the layers and just everybody like we stopped we just stop pretending like we can be more in tune with ourselves, with each other, with the land and like stop performing beauty. Cause I mean, right now I think beauty is mostly a performance. We're all trying to look a certain way to a certain end, um, to find power, to find confidence, to find, um, you know, to perform wealth. Like there was just this, this article in the New York times about Shein, and why why people are so drawn to these you know knockoff designer clothes that are destroying the planet from Shein and and somebody in the article said like well we deserve to look nice and it's just like it's so funny that that is what we have conditioned ourselves to believe looking nice is it's like a performance of wealth that's actually destroying the planet so like imagining my ideal world is just like nobody has that pretense nobody feels the need to like pretend wealth through their beauty products through injectables and surgery through their fashion i'm reading this really great book right now that i i would highly recommend it's called intact by professor claire chambers and it's all about um, getting to a place where the intact, unaltered body is valued, or at least not devalued. And I think that is my ideal world, because right now, where we are with beauty is if if a woman especially is not altered in this sort of baseline way, like shaving your legs, grooming your eyebrows, um, getting a blowout for a job interview, um, that person is devalued in society. Society does not value that person as much. And so while like, I, I love the idea of the I- ideal world having still makeup as self-expression and as art and beauty as part of it, I think my ideal world would also have this innate valuing of the intact, unaltered body. Because right now we don't have that option. Yeah, I love that. I think... I often come back to I feel like in these conversations it's like just having the ability to just exist as humans as we are like yes 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 that's all I want (laughs) yeah like I look at other animals that are beautiful and like they don't go around all day thinking you know obviously there are some things that some animals do to like make themselves you know attractive to mates and stuff but it's like they also just exist as they are. And that is so beautiful. 
I agree. Um, and I'm I'm glad you kind of mentioned body hair because I think for me that was kind of the one thing that got me really questioning like beauty culture was when I was like 16 or 17 I was like I'm just gonna not do it and see what happens and it kind of was something that I fell into accidentally I honestly like just got a bit like lazy quote unquote don't know how I feel about using that term and then yeah I just realized like it's just a bodily function like our bodies are meant to grow hair and like men stereotypically like they're uh, allowed to have it and nobody cares and nobody judges for them for it and it's that whole thing it's so fascinating too once you get into um like a big thing for me is the science of the skin and the science of the body and how it all works like without product intervention um and you start to realize like that everything that your skin does that we sort of think of as these flaws to get rid of exist for a reason. And with body hair and facial hair, like that's a built in layer of protection. Like that's like sun protection. That is part of um, the skin being a barrier to invading pathogens and invading bacteria. like this, like if it exists on you, it sort of exists for a reason. And then we are, when we get rid of it, we are opening ourselves up to extra harm because we've messed with our like innate you know the care that we have built into our bodies it's it's really fascinating to me i i definitely am really intrigued by that book especially like sounds really really interesting so as much as, you know, it's great that you are able to, you know, imagining an ideal world kind of comes easy in the sense of like the belief that it could happen. Is there anything from now and the current reality, despite its imperfections, despite the limitations that it's giving to us as humans and like our bodily experience, like, is there anything from now that you would take into that version? Oh, it's so interesting. I mean, this was, this is, a really hard question to answer. I think I think that there is a lot of value in like makeup and and a lot of these products that we have sort of invented in this world um, to be used for other purposes. Like right now, I think most most beauty products are tools of conformity, complacency, control, consumerism. Um, but they could be used for art. Like that's how makeup was originally used in the world. Like when you look at the, the earliest people who started wearing makeup, we were talking like ancient Egyptians and African tribes. It was always um, as a tool of communication. It was always about being in community with each other. Um, it was used a lot in religious ceremonies to sort of like reflect their gods. Um, certain tribes would have like certain makeup drawn on to signify like, okay, this is a tribal elder and this is a warrior and this is like a shaman. And like they were, that was communication, you know? So I think that there's a lot of potential for our current beauty offerings to be transformed into something that serves us better. So I, I think we can keep a lot of it. We just have to examine like the intention. Yeah, definitely. I think that's kind of where I have ended up personally is like I actually I like seeing people use makeup in creative ways and like color like it's so fun that we can like add color to our face and like that should be a fun thing one of my friends actually like sometimes like will just wear a smiley face on themselves and it's like the most wholesome cute thing and I'm like imagine if we all took that element of creativity and had the freedom to just do that and it wasn't about you know covering up imperfections whatever imperfections really are <laughs> yeah exactly no that's that's 
that is totally my vision of of beauty in the ideal world is like not taking anything away from people, but just being more intentional about how we're using it and and especially how we're using it in community with others. Because like if we're honest, makeup and skincare and injectables and surgeries, they still function as tools of communication and community. And a lot of the times the message they send is you're not good enough. Get on my level. This is what a human looks like. This is what the ideal female looks like. This is what the ideal male looks like. Get on board. Like, so we as humans are still receiving, you know, quote unquote, beauty, modern beauty, industrialized beauty, standardized beauty as that communication. But what we're communicating is not serving us. It is it is causing a lot of anxiety, um, appearance related to depression, uh, facial dysmorphia, body dysmorphia, obsessive thoughts, um, self-harm, disordered eating. Like there are a lot of sort of psychological consequences to the current beauty culture. Um, and I think if we we thought of how our beauty choices are still acting in that way of communication, that really instinctual sort of raw human mode of communication, it would open our eyes to a lot of of what we're saying just with how we look. Yeah, definitely. That's such an interesting way of framing it for sure. I love that. This question might not necessarily link back to beauty. I'm, I'd be intrigued to see how you answer it. Can you give an example of something that kind of plays out in the current reality in your world at the moment that kind of transports you to a better place and kind of gives you that feeling of like, I want more of this. It might be like a place, it might be an activity. Yeah, I'd love to know. Okay, so (laughs) the first thing that comes to mind is a little extreme, (laughs) but I'm picturing, I used to live in the desert in California out in Joshua Tree. And one of our neighboring towns, Desert Hot Springs, had these beautiful hot springs. Like you had to hike like a mile up this giant mountain and then like descend into the valley. And then when you got to the bottom, there was a lake. And then if you swam through the lake, there were like five hot springs. Um, And it was like a really protected area, but a really social area. Like that was like a fun thing to do on a weekend if if you wanted to go. And... I remember the hot springs just felt like my ideal world because you're like so in tune with nature, you're appreciating nature and there are a lot of other people there and they're all like doing the same thing with you. And then here's this sort of extreme element is they were very concerned about like polyester particles getting in the water. So if you wanted to enjoy the hot springs, you couldn't wear a bathing suit. So it's just like all of these naked people But the point is not like nakedness, like it wasn't like naked and it's sexual. It was just like naked and it's natural. And we're all just, you know, out and proud and like nobody had perfect bodies. You know, there's fat rolls, there's pubic hair, there's armpit hair, there's no makeup, like everybody's, you know, pimples on display, whatever. And nobody cared. Like it just felt so comfortable and yeah, I don't know. I just think of that feeling and I'm like, that that feels ideal to me. Not that I want to be naked all the time, but just that like that level of being comfortable with yourself with others feels so good. That is a good link because it goes back to again, just like existing as humans, like and just experiencing like an amazing, like earthly experience as well, just like in nature. I always love when people answer that question with nature because it like goes back to like what we actually value as humans is like the real stuff (laughs) yes I mean we are nature exactly 
it's that time of the podcast again. It's self-promo time. I am going to be back at Cheltenham Literature Festival on October 16th at 4.30 in the Voice Box Tent, which is the free venue where we talk about all sorts of different things, including a live episode of Idealistically. I am going to be interviewing the wonderful Domi Palmer about all things creativity and imagination. And if you enjoy the podcast and you want to come see me IRL, then come along. I realise I have a fairly international audience, so if you are not able to join me in person, the episode will be recorded and it will be up online shortly after, so you won't miss out. But it would be lovely to see you in person if you're able to. That is Cheltenham Literature Festival, October 16th, 4.30pm, Voice Box. So you were kind of starting to briefly touch on it. Um, I like to kind of give context to like why we're having this conversation and stuff like that um, in terms of like the work that you're doing. So it would be great to know what you think about what are ways that the beauty industry or beauty culture harm our ability to create a better world. And this could be on kind of like an individual level or it could be kind of more systemic. I'd love to know what you think. This is a great question. I think the easiest way to explain it is in terms of beauty culture. So I like to think of beauty culture as like diet culture's face-focused counterpart. Um, so we are we are obviously living in a beauty culture that values you know beauty and appearance sort of above all else. And beauty culture stems from four main forces that I have been able to like identify in my research: patriarchy white supremacy, colonialism, and capitalism. So basically any beauty standard, even beauty trends today can be traced back to one, two, three, all four of those sources. So I think when you think about it in those terms, how like beauty culture perpetuates those systems, it's really easy to see how beauty culture is holding us back because those systems are indeed holding us back. Um, I think the other thing to recognize is that like, the beauty industry and beauty standards specifically exist to keep us consuming and consumed. So like consuming products and consumed by the need to look a certain way. And that steals our like, that steals our reserves of actual power. Um, One of the things that really frustrates me is when beauty standards are messaged as empowering because they say, oh, you're going to you're going to feel so empowered when you look this way. And then it actually ends up stealing your power. It steals your power in the form of your time, your money, your energy and your headspace. So I think a lot of beauty culture is a distraction to siphon those resources from us so that we don't have the time, money and energy to funnel into creating better systems for us, you know. And and then when you think of the like consuming part of it, the beauty industry is a huge supporter of fossil fuels um, and it is a huge driver of climate change. And so we are this need to be beautiful, this need to like consume, consume, consume all of these products is directly linked to harming our planet, to increasing pollution to, you know, accelerating global warming. And then when you think about it, like it blows my mind because all of those things are sort of the reason that we need a lot of these products in the first place. So like air pollution wreaks havoc on the skin and now anti-pollution skincare is a huge trend. 
And so what we're doing is we're creating more products. We're mass producing these anti-pollution products, exacerbating the pollution issue, exacerbating our skin pollution issues, and then putting the cause of that pollution back onto our face in the form of like a moisturizer or something. It just makes no sense (laughs) to me. (laughs) The weirdest cycle of like, hey, uh, there's a thing called air pollution caused by fossil fuels. So now we're going to put a product in a bottle made by fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ex- <laughs> oh God, it drives me crazy. And it's like, I think this is, you can even deconstruct that further and be like, this is another symptom of beauty culture is that we're living on the surface and we're thinking one dimensionally. We are not used to ecosystems thinking. We are not used to like asking those sorts of circular questions about like, well, what's causing this issue that I need the product for? And how is the production of the product involved in causing that issue? Like we just don't naturally tend to think that way because beauty culture has told us the most important thing to focus on is, is the surface, how beautiful we are. And then that will like increase our opportunities elsewhere. And and the truth is, is that It's not really doing that. I also still think it's like so wild that we use products like Vaseline and it's like a direct product derived from fossil fuels and we just like slather it on our lips. Like I can't believe I went through like most of my childhood with like a pot of Vaseline in my like school blazer pocket and it was just like didn't even think about it. Right. It's so fascinating to me that right now at this moment in time, when climate change is more like widely accepted than ever, like we know it's happening. There are political measures to in place to try and stop it from happening. Like people agree on this, right? And they agree that fossil fuels are the main driver of cl- climate change. And also it's 2022 and the number one skincare product is pure petroleum jelly. Like this is the sneaky way that beauty affects everything else. Like beauty is one of the sneakiest ways that systems of oppression are reinforced. And this this resurgence of pure petroleum jelly is an excellent example of that is it actually like a resurgence going on i'm like so out of beauty please expand on this more (laughs) oh my gosh let me pull up the notes that i took the other day because i was looking like vaseline is a huge skincare product right now um so any kind of petroleum jelly any kind of mineral oil and i went on um, google trends to see like how much sales have been up and like sales of Vaseline are up for sure. Uh, Sales of petroleum jelly in general are up for sure. Expected to be worth, just petroleum jelly market is expected to be worth almost $2 billion by 2030. And the main market drivers is growing use in cosmetics. Wow. And that's growing. That's growing like it's spreading like wildfire, like no pun intended, because that's what's happening. But if you look at like the search results too, it's like searches for petroleum jelly skincare are up like 300% year on year. Um, slugging with petroleum jelly is up something like 400% year on year. Like people are really going all into this trend. Um, and it really illustrates how like beauty is um, used as a weapon against us. Oh, I'm so glad like you're one of the few people who is making that connection within like journalism and stuff. Cause like, it's just, that is honestly wild. <laughs> wild it's wild and if i can go on a little tangent because like this this topic tends to bring up a lot of like well what ifs or have you thought about that and like 
one thing that comes up a lot is like petroleum jelly is safe for the skin. And yeah, like by and large, it's refined. It's not going to cause like major skin issues. That's not the problem here. (laughs) The problem we're talking about is how it's impacting the planet and how our use of this um, cosmetic chemical is contributing to fossil fuel and fossil fuel like driven climate change. So that's the main thing. And then I also see two really common arguments. Um, one is, and it's sort of all like colonizer mindset stuff that really, really gets to me. So one is that um, you'll hear people say, well, Native Americans actually invented petroleum jelly and use that as a justification as if they're like supporting this Native American made product. Um, and that one just, it boils my blood because yeah, okay, well, look at what the what Native Americans and indigenous communities are asking for today. They're asking for land back. They're asking you to stop drilling. They're asking for the end of fossil fuels. So to try and use this like, you know, hundreds of year old justification of like one time a Native American tribe made something similar to petroleum jelly, like that's not a good justification. Um, the other thing is that Vaseline for years was like a really popular beauty product specifically in the black community. And so that is often used as a justification for like its growing popularity today of being like, look, this is a, you know, inclusive trend that we're just bringing to the masses. And what you have to look at there is like the consequences of taking a trend from a, from a certain community and spreading it everywhere across the globe. Um, So again, this strengthens fossil fuel corporations. This directly puts money in the pockets of fossil fuel corporations. And who are fossil fuel corporations harming the most? They're harming people of color, people of the global South, um, Black people in America who live in these like environmental hotspots. So it's like you're using this oh, it's, it's something from the Black community as a justification for the acceleration of a trend that actually ends up harming the Black community more than anybody else. Um, so I know that's, <laughs> that's a lot, that's a lot of, of, of talking points on petroleum jelly, but it's one of those topics that just really makes me, <laughs> really gets me going. Honestly, I think it's just, again, we, we don't talk about it enough. And like, I feel like people just don't connect these dots and yeah, I think it's really valuable to have these discussions. I also want to like slightly rewind to when you were saying about like time. And I think that also links nicely to many conversations I've had on the podcast already about how a lot of us desire just more time. And when we think about the time, like you said, that is actually being taken out of our, our days to have to try and perform these beauty ideals. Like, I'm sure we'd be saving hours. Like I think back again, just from like, personal experience from when I was removing body hair like it would take a while like (laughs) and you have to do it like you know multiple times a week or whatever and it's just I think of the time that I could have saved and it in a way it's kind of saddening that we do live in this kind of world where that's expected of us especially as women. It's so sad and something that's really driven that home for me is that a lot of subscribers to my newsletter are actually older women, women in their 50s and 60s. And one comment that I get all the time or email that I get all the time is like, thank you for talking about this. I wish I hadn't wasted so much of my life trying to become more beautiful. I wish I hadn't wasted so much of my life worrying about this thing or thinking about this thing or spending two hours every morning curling my hair and doing my makeup. Um, That's a big regret that people come to me with. And I think if I can sort of, you know, 
share that message with people and and show that like as we get older like this is a main regret this is a big regret for a lot of women is wasting time wasting life force wasting energy on this this thing that was ultimately meaningless um yeah and and that does feel very ideal to me it's just no no wasted time on stuff that doesn't matter yeah and like linking it to this conversation like if we had that time we could put it into making the world a better place like people would have more more energy to start imagining what an ideal version could look like so yeah (laughs) so many links that we can make with this So leading on from that, how does kind of dismantling the concept of beauty or beauty standards kind of tie into this conversation, better world making, things like that? So I always say dismantling beauty standards is the key to sustainability because it's the root reason that we are consuming so many beauty products Um, because we want to change the way we look because we want to adhere to these unrealistic ideals. A question that I'll also get sometimes is like, okay, well, what would a more realistic beauty standard be? And the answer is like, there's no such thing as a realistic beauty standard. Like I always say the most, the unrealistic thing about a beauty standard is not the feature, but the standardization. Like we can't standardize a certain way to look and have that ever be sustainable or have that ever be aligned with our like innate humanity, you know? So starting to dismantle those standards and trace them back to their origin points um, for me has been really effective in divesting from beauty culture. Because once you realize what the root of certain beauty trends is, you don't want to participate anymore. Um, For instance, like there's been a huge resurgence post pandemic of injectables, things like Botox, lip fillers, jawline fillers to like chisel a better, you know, quote unquote, better jawline out, different surgeries. Um, And a lot of this is sort of changing the feminine beauty ideal. So like even cis women now are taking to surgery and injectables or whatever to like adhere to this feminine beauty ideal. But it's like if our, you know, quote unquote, feminine beauty ideal is untainable for cis women, how is that affecting non-binary folks? How is that affecting the transgender population? And then you start realizing that your participation in these systems, creating these more unreachable and unrealistic ideals, really does increase the oppression of other people. Um, And so part of dismantling beauty standards, like as as a measure of sustainability and as a a measure of like self-care and community care has to include caring about other people. (laughs) Like it can't just be about you. It has to be about other people too. And how your participation is reinforcing systems of oppression that might not be oppressing you as much, but are leading to like the destruction of the planet and its people that we are, we are currently in the midst of. Speaking of like thinking about other people when it comes to this stuff, um, I'm, I'm looping back to the conversation again you had in doing it right because I thought you brought up a, something that I can relate to especially which is when we kind of talk about beauty and because it is so tied to like femininity and like the experience of womanhood that when we kind of talk about it in these kind of more critical ways it can often feel like we are like attacking other women and I feel like that's something I've found difficult it's like I want to be able to talk about this stuff but at the same time like I don't want to feel like I'm 
judging you for like not doing a certain thing and stuff like that? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I often do get that critique myself of like, you're tearing women down by critiquing beauty culture or beauty standards. And what we have to do when that comes up is ask, well, why do you associate beauty culture and beauty standards with womanhood? Like that right there, like disproves the point. Like the reason that we associate these behaviors with women is because we were conditioned to associate these behaviors with women. And these behaviors are part of a system of oppression that specifically targets women. And that's part of the design, that feeling of, oh, I don't want to insult a woman is part of the design and part of why this system is so powerful and so effective is because we feel forced to participate in it and we feel um, ashamed to fight against it because we don't want to be seen as limiting the freedoms of our of ourselves and our fellow women. But the, the whole problem is, is thinking that beauty standards are freedom. There's so much more out there. The topic of like, like, yeah, like femininity and like gender expression like actually reminds me, um, I follow a YouTuber called Hannah Witten and she does a lot of like sexuality kind of focused YouTube videos. And um, she did one where she kind of, she's a, a cis straight woman and she like examined like why she feels like a woman. And it got me really like questioning like my experience of womanhood and stuff. And I think that is something that I can recommend to people is to like actually do a bit of exploring, especially if you are a cis person around like what you expect of yourself and your gender, because I think it can help us like work out a lot of these things and why we feel like, you know, applying makeup feels right or like getting attached to skincare and stuff like like why is that part of our gender and stuff I think it's fascinating it's so fascinating and something that can sort of help in that discovery is looking up the history of makeup and the history of some of these beauty behaviors um a lot of them were not female things to do quote-unquote female things to do like centuries ago these were like male traits um so you know, you look back in like England, however many hundreds of years ago, and men were wearing makeup, men were wearing wigs, men were wearing high heels. Um, even in some like African tribes today, men still wear makeup. It's like a male forward experience in those different communities. So if you just like trace the history back, you can see that beauty is not this like inherently feminine thing to want to participate in. It's cultural messages that are conditioning us to believe this is either a female behavior or a male behavior. And like, really none of that actually exists. Like we are just responding to our programming there and breaking down that programming is, is only going to help you. I feel like we've covered so much and it's like, it goes to show how much there is to something that like, on the surface, I feel like beauty just feels like this like fun thing, you know, like it's not something that's taken too seriously. But then when you actually think about it, it has very like serious consequences on all of our lives. So thank you for opening our eyes on that. Oh, anytime. I want to jump to a fun question of the episode. I think they're for all fun in their own ways, but the very creative one we get to do, which is in your ideal world, what would you invent if you had no limitations? And I will say that is starting to become a new rule 
which is if you plan to say you'd like to be able to travel the world sustainably, you get a second go. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Um, Oh, this one is so hard. It's really hard. And I don't know, maybe maybe the first thing that comes to mind does fall into the category you just mentioned. But if if I could do anything, I think everybody should have access to the ocean at all times. Like there is just something about sitting in front of the ocean on a beach or being in the ocean that makes you feel so small. And I think that's really good for the soul. I think that's really great for like expanding your perspective. Um, I live by the ocean now and I have for the past two years and I like really feel like just being by the water has completely changed my life. It's like completely changed the things that I care about and the things that I value. Um, And I just, I want that feeling for everybody. Plus sand is a really great exfoliator. No products necessary. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And also I want to add on for uh, UK folks who at the moment, well, there's a big scandal of the fact that all of our like coastal uh like the coast of the UK is just being filled with sewage um so I'd like to add on to that that we have safe access to the ocean that when we swim in it it's not gonna like damage our bodies oh my gosh yeah no definitely not that (laughs) coming towards the end what is one thing listeners could do to help make your world a reality so a world that we can just exist exist as humans in our own bodies and our own skin without having the pressures of beauty standards i think I think the first step and an easy step is to just really part, really pay attention to the trends that you are participating in and take note of how many of them are overtly dehumanizing and objectifying. So I'm thinking of current beauty trends that are happening right now, like glass skin, glazed donut skin, um, jello skin. I just got a press release about um, doe eyes. And like the thing that all of these trends have in common is that they are inhuman. <laughs> They're completely dehumanizing. Like glass skin and donut skin are objectifying, self-objectifying in like the plainest, most obvious way. And so I think once you have that in your head and once you start paying attention to that, um, you realize how much the current beauty industry is in direct um, contrast to your innate humanity and you don't want to participate as much. At least I don't want to participate as much and I have heard as much from some of my readers. Um, And that's just a really easy thing to do is like pay attention. And the more you pay attention, the more you innately want to stop participating. It doesn't have to be this huge like protest. It doesn't have to be this huge stand that you're taking to start like the first step is just paying attention to what you're participating in. Yeah, definitely. I was just thinking, you know, talking about like glass skin, I think about my skin and how I, I've, I'm at the point where I just like, I splash it with water and put sunscreen on. And that's kind of where I'm at. Yes. And it's like, how would I even make my skin look like glass? Like the amount of stuff that people must be using. I don't, I don't know. It's, I mean, it takes a lot. It takes so much. And that is exactly my point. <laughs> it takes so much. And when, when, you know, your ideal of health and beauty requires so much product intervention, that's a sign that it's not actual health or beauty. Like it shouldn't be this hard and expensive to wrangle our bodies into submission, <laughs> you know? And that, I mean, to, that to me is like a sign that we're, we're doing too much and, and working against ourselves. 
rather than when with ourselves. Well, I've loved this conversation. I think it is something that we all, again, I've already said, like we all need to delve into more and kind of like question within our own lives for sure. Um, and so I hope people can go away and learn more about your work. I'll link kind of your newsletter and other places where you can hear you talk. Because again, we're stuff that we haven't even covered in this in-depth conversation that you also cover. So yeah, thank you so much for, for joining us and for adding beauty to one of the conversations that we've spoken about because it's it's new to the podcast. So I'm really excited about that. I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. Thank you for listening to another episode of idealistically if you would like to support the podcast further you can follow the podcast at at idealistically pod on instagram and at idealistically p on twitter you can also follow myself at, at tomea which is spelled t-o-l-m-e-i-a if you are able to please do leave a review or a rating on your favorite podcast platform it means that we can share more ideal versions of the world with more people and get people imagining a better future. What more could you want? Sound and editing by myself and music by Stowe Gregory. i